Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and Corridor Aesthetics.com. Today is Thursday. It's the 28th of December. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Grant Gerlach. Anti-hunger advocates say Iowa is missing out on a major opportunity to address food insecurity for low-income kids. IPR's Katerina Sestark has more. Governor Kim Reynolds recently announced she's declining federal funding for extra food assistance for kids during the summer because she's concerned about child obesity, and she says giving food benefits to families does nothing to promote nutrition. Iowa Hunger Coalition Chair Luke Alzinga says the group is incredibly disappointed by Reynolds' decision and rhetoric. He says research shows more assistance, not less, helps people buy healthier foods. This is an incredible opportunity to address food insecurity for low-income children during the summer and we're sitting it out. And not only are we sitting it out, we're indicating that we'll never participate, and we're throwing low-income people under the bus to boot. State officials say they'll expand existing summer food programs, but they didn't provide details. Alzinga says the state should boost funding for a program that creates incentives for Iowans to buy healthy foods. Speeding, distracted driving, and impaired driving are blamed for an increase in traffic deaths on Iowa roadways in 2023. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports 372 fatalities have been recorded so far this year, which is 10 percent more than last year and the most since 2016. In nearly half of the deadly incidents, the person who was killed was not wearing a seatbelt. The three months with the highest number of traffic deaths came over the summer travel season, with August, July and June topping the list. Officials say some Iowa counties could fall short of having enough money to fund roads, unless lawmakers take action. IPR's Sheila Brummer explains. Woodbury County Engineer Mark Nara says changes to Iowa's new property tax system mean a loss of millions for his county alone. The limitations that were put on property tax growth under House File 718 affect the county road department's ability to raise revenue out of property taxes. Nara says counties that do not meet the minimum tax levy will lose road tax fund money and matching farm-to-market funds. Nara estimates over a 10-year period, the cost for Woodbury County will be more than $26 million. It'll result in some deterioration of our primary paved routes in the county. Nara says about a dozen Iowa counties with lower tax levies will be impacted in the next two to three years if lawmakers do not modify the state law this upcoming legislative session. The most recent data on abortions in Iowa shows an increase in 2022 over 2021. The Des Moines Register reports that data from the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services show there were 4,062 abortions in the state last year. That was an 8% increase. Iowa reflects a national trend showing a decline in pregnancy terminations compared to a couple decades ago, but increases more recently. At this time, abortion is legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. A ban after six weeks passed by the Iowa legislature last summer is currently blocked by a temporary injunction as it works through the courts. A recent AmeriCorps study showed just over 40 percent of Iowans volunteered over the past two years, which puts the state fourth in the nation. The Volunteer Center of the Cedar Valley has paired over 9,500 of those volunteers with 250 Northeast Iowa organizations in the past year, almost doubling its pandemic numbers. Lauren Fink is the executive director. She says talking to students about volunteering in the wake of COVID has helped spur that growth. 
really having the opportunity to allow students to understand the impact that they're having as a volunteer has definitely made their follow through and their commitment and their desire, I think, to continue serving even after their assignments done for class. The Volunteer Center is regularly reaching out to at least four area colleges to recruit students, including a standing office at the University of Northern Iowa. This is Here First. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Climate change is bringing more extreme weather to cities all over the country. For communities along the Mississippi River, that's flash flooding from heavy rains, longer and higher floods in springtime, and prolonged droughts like this year. Eric Schmid reports for the Ag and Water Desk on how cities along the river are turning to each other for solutions. Birds chatter in the trees above the River to Pear Greenway in the southern part of St. Louis. On this mild December afternoon, a handful of children practice soccer in a park right next to the bike and footpath that follows the river. Sound enticing? Beatrice Chatfield says not so much. It's just like an eyesore. There's trash and like debris and muck in it. The river to pair is less of a river and more of a large concrete drainage channel that winds from the Mississippi through the urban landscape before disappearing beneath St. Louis's largest park. Pedestrian Sam Rain says it's a nuisance. It's gross during the summer. It smells. We don't exactly like living right next to it. It can also be dangerous, especially closer to the Mississippi. Colin Wellencamp is the executive director of the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, which includes more than 100 communities. As the Mississippi River rises, the river to pair then begins to back up into people's basements and yards and small businesses and into the city. Hundreds of homes have flooded in the past. Wellencamp says St. Louis should look to other cities in the river basin who've learned to work with water instead of against it. Dubuque, Iowa is one. Mayor Brad Kavanaugh says back in the 1990s and 2000s, his city had a major flash flooding problem. They had six presidential disaster declarations in 12 years because of heavy rains that caused repeated damage in one part of Dubuque. Somewhere along the line, about 100 years ago, somebody buried a natural creek and turned it into a storm sewer, and it wasn't keeping up anymore. Kavanaugh says they spent nearly 20 years bringing the creek back into the daylight to provide a safe place for stormwater to flow and reduce flooding. And it works. Kavanaugh says they renatured the Bee Branch Creek, planted trees, grass, and native plants, which has helped Dubuque avoid millions of dollars in damages when there's heavy rain. He visited St. Louis's City Hall to share how the region can replicate the success and make something that's more than just an ugly drainage ditch. People don't say that about the Bee Branch. It is a linear park. It's one of the most beautiful parks we have in the city. It is a place where people ride their bikes. It's a place where people go and watch the ducks and the birds. St. Louis Alderwoman Ann Schweitzer was inspired. Incredible presentation. I learned so much and I am so jealous. Jealous because she wishes St. Louis had done the same. You know, I couldn't wish all day that things like this had been started sooner. But we're here now and we have a responsibility. 
It's not cheap, though. The B branch in Dubuque had a price tag near a quarter billion dollars. But Midwest Climate Collaborative Director Heather Navarro says wetlands provide a lot of value. Whether it is absorbing floodwaters, helping filter pollution, reduce soil erosion. And so when you start to add up those numbers, that really starts to change the economics of the whole problem. She says it's worth the money. Projects like these are long-term investments. If you are going to increase the wetlands, for example, along a creek or a riverbank, and then, yeah, you can also use that for recreation, turn that into a park. And there's money on the table, billions from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and Inflation Reduction Act. Flooding challenges are everywhere in the Mississippi River Basin. Wellencamp says just about all of the communities he works with have tributaries connecting to the river. Some of them are big and some of them are really small, but all of them need attention. There is some restoration work happening in the River de Pere. The Army Corps of Engineers wants to build a large flood retention pond near the top of the watershed. But for now, it's just a plan. Meantime, St. Louis leaders say they're excited about the idea of bringing more nature to the entire River de Pere and plan to launch a study to figure out how. In St. Louis, I'm Eric Schmidt. This story comes to us from the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk, based at the University of Missouri. Subscribe to Here First to make sure we show up in your podcast feed every day. This is Here First from IPR News.